Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with my host, Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, I wanted to talk about spring football. Obviously, we are now a little bit more than a week away from spring football. Florida will start its spring ball under Billy Napier for the first time next Tuesday. So we've got a little bit of time, about eight days here, to kind of kick around where Florida's at going into the spring. I think what I wanted to do today while I have you on, since you know, you've been following this program for a long time, you, you, you watch the games on Saturdays, you see things at kind of a high level, um, what I want to do today is sort of set expectations or at least discuss maybe what the expectations are in the fan base, how we see them coming off of last year. Obviously, Florida went six and seven. Um, this is really after a stretch under Dan Mullen where Florida was pretty good and really was honestly competing for the SEC championship not too long ago. Even last year, Florida you know, plays Alabama and comes within a failed two-point conversion of potentially pushing the Crimson Tide into overtime. So I think for a lot of fans, there's sort of been, you know, how do you wrap, you know, how, how do you make sort of the idea that Florida was on the, the verge of competing for SEC titles um, connect with the fact that Florida finished at six and seven last year? Is Florida maybe as bad as that record indicated? Are the Gators maybe in a situation where everything that could go wrong last year went wrong? I think for me, sort of piecing together where we expect Florida to sort of be in 2022 is going to go a long way towards discussing what needs to happen in spring football. So Blake, I guess at a high level, where do you come out of 2022 thinking about sort of where this program is? Is this, is this a long rebuild? Is this a short rebuild? Are there certain sides of the ball that you think, you know, have to get fixed? Are there certain positions that are going to hold Florida back? Where are you at right now from a very, just the most general standpoint? And then we'll, we'll kind of fine tune it from there in terms of what needs to happen. You know, for me, I think that last year, the biggest thing was that, you know, Florida, you know, it was, it was a tough, they were a tough team to kind of put your finger on because again, you go back to the Alabama game, you know, they, they make it close Alabama, you know, was competing for a national title and, and they really did push that team, you know, obviously to a failed two point conversion late in the game, but you had some other games to where Florida just lost games. They had no business losing. You know, you look at the Missouri game, you know, the Kentucky game. Um, I think little fixes such as, you know, being more responsible as far as, you know, penalties in that Kentucky game that were, you know, really just, I mean, they kept shooting themselves in the foot in that game. Um, I think for Florida, my expectations are that we'll see how Billy Napier is as far as maybe an X's and O's type of coach, because, you know, you can give a lot of credit to Dan Mullen. He was really good in that aspect of being an X's and O's type of guy on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we'll see how Napier is at that level of moving up from, you know, the Sun Belt, obviously to the SEC, he's got experience in the SEC. So it's not like it's, you know, his, he has no idea what he's getting himself into, but right. as a head coach, it's a completely different story. But for me, I think overall, I just don't see those alpha, 
X-factor type of players on Florida's roster. And I think that goes back to prior recruiting. Um, obviously, that's something you can fix. You know, you go through the transfer portal, and I think Osiris Torrance was a big get for Florida on that offensive line to really help them because, you know, in those SEC types of games, you know, the offensive line is going to take you as far as you can go, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. Defense um, is another story. You know, Florida's going to have to really kind of, um, you know, get some of those youthful guys to really step up in the trenches there. So for me, it's, it's going to be in the trenches for Florida. I think the offensive line, I think they have a lot of um, chances to take that next step. When you have a guy like Torrance, you've got some guys that have gotten a lot of SEC play experience here that return for Florida. Um, but for me, I think that the hardest thing for me to decide on them is really just the lack of those explosive playmaker types of guys. Those are the types of guys that Billy Napier is going to need to land. You know, him obviously taking an uptick through recruiting. You know, he knows the types of players that you need to get in there to dominate in the SEC. That's his plan to do that. But I think coming into this year with what they have, I don't see one of those guys that really jumps out to me that's like, man, this guy's going to be an X factor, a game changer type of guy for Florida. I think there's a lot of guys that you can make the case for them to be, you know, maybe a Demarcus Bowman, you sure. know, obviously an Anthony Richardson when he comes back that injury but you know just there's not a bona fide guy that you know a household name for being that you know explosive you know just guy that you know is is going to be a dude he's going to be someone that Florida can lean on and really help them cross that line yeah I don't think there's any question that Florida is kind of going into 22 with sort of less proven guys at least offensively especially at the skill position spots than it maybe it has in the past couple years with Dan Mullen in charge Um, I guess for me sort of when I look at where Florida's at from the big picture standpoint and sort of, you know, reconciling how last year finished with how it started. I I go back to something that I said, I think, you know, after Mahmoud Diabate made comments after the LSU game about the defensive scheme, I think Florida lost belief more than anything in sort of the direction. And I I go back to that Kentucky loss. I said this after that game, it was going to be a huge challenge for Florida knowing at that point in the season, you know, not even halfway through the season that they had had two losses were essentially out of the SEC East race unless Georgia tripped up for them to stay mentally locked in. And I think as much as anything, I think the snowball kind of started there in the sense that, you know, whether or not Dan Mullen was checked out, who knows exactly. It certainly came across that way. Um, and I think the players reflected that really after that second loss of the season. So you know, from the, the motivational standpoint, I think that's sort of where Florida went wrong to a large degree last year. And I think that can be pretty easily fixed by a new coaching staff coming in. I think when you have a guy like Billy Napier, who is really, um, Blake, you've seen it in, in just the, the couple weeks on campus you've been when they've had recruiting events, the energy is different. And I think current players are sensing that, recruits are sensing that, and the fan base feels that. And that's, that's where it's very easy to produce sort of a short-term turnaround. I think where it gets harder is do you have the pieces to do that? And to to the point you're making of, you know, who are your go-to guys on offense? I mean, Justin Shorter's back, but, you know, I mean, I don't think anybody would consider Justin Shorter, you know, the kind of weapon that maybe Kadarius Toney was his senior year. Um, A guy like Jacob Copeland leaving, who was your leading receiver last year, even if, you know, maybe didn't fully live up to the potential that many people thought he had coming out of high school, was still a very productive player. Damian Pierce, probably underused last year, was still extremely productive. So you are losing a lot of production. I think what 2022 is going to be about for Florida is going to be as much about can Billy Napier sort of do what Dan Mullen did early in his tenure, and that is maximize the pieces that you do have, right? Because when Dan Mullen came in 2018, he inherited a four-win team, right? 
Billy Napier is at least inheriting a team that has a potential superstar at quarterback. Now, we don't know if Anthony Richardson, from a maturity standpoint, is all the way there yet. We don't know how he'll handle if he's the full-time starter, being that guy throughout the season. We don't know if he can stay healthy. But I think that's a big potential X factor. The question is going to be, you know, can, can Billy Napier sort of manufacture enough around the talent that is there so that you can build this 2023 recruiting class and then start to get some of those instant impact players that typically you see when you have a coach that's going to get you to competing for national titles. Like we saw that under Urban Meyer. It took one recruiting class, one full recruiting class, to all of a sudden you start having some Percy Harvins, some Tim Tebows that immediately come in. And even as true freshmen, they can be major difference makers. I think I look at Florida's roster right now, Blake, and, and I see, I think I go back to like sort of what we talked about Dan Mullen in recruiting, right? When he took over for Jim McElwain, Jim McElwain, the, the quality of depth at Florida was very poor. I think Billy Napier walks into a situation, and you'd tell me if you disagree with this, but I think Billy Napier walks into a situation at Florida where the quality of depth is a lot better than what Dan Mullen took over. But again, similar to the Jim McElwain problem, you're lacking that top-end talent. I agree with you. Yeah, and I think, so Blake, I don't know if we want to get into, you know, pre-spring talking about record, all that kind of thing. Um, but I think from a from a fan base standpoint, more so, what do you what is your sense of what Florida fans want to see from year one? Like the the realistic fans that are looking at this sort of how we just broke it down, you know, who say, you know, maybe we don't have quite the talent on the roster that we're accustomed to having, or that we need to have to compete with Georgia in the SEC East to to potentially win an SEC title. What do you want to see in year one as far as how it looks on the field? You know, I think I want to see more discipline, you know, cleaning up those silly penalties that I mentioned before. Um, they seem to kind of pop up in those games for Mullen whenever he was there. Um, I think that Billy Napier with how, uh, you know, he looks at every little piece of things. He's very meticulous. I think that those are things that can easily be shored up. I think that that's something that he instills in a program. Um, obviously for me, you know, you've kind of been spoiled, at least on the offensive side of the ball with the X's and O's that Mullen does. Granted, he did do a lot of things not so well, but that was something there. You want to see if there's going to be, you know, at least the same type of striking distance. You know, I think Billy Napier, everyone has really, even from media, from fans, everybody has applauded the staff he's put together. Um, I want to see that staff, um, you know, how they mesh together. They, you know, obviously what I can tell from now is how they do recruiting. You know, that's right. the only thing I've been exposed sure. to so far. Spring football will give us a better idea of that. Uh, the fall season will give us that for their first season to see how they are on the field. But I really want to see that staff, you know, how they bounce together, how they work together. Um, again, a lot of those guys have, have prior relationships with Napier, um, but you bring in different guys. You never know how the dynamics going to work. Um, but for me, I think one of the biggest things I want to see is I want to see Florida have a complete game. You know, I feel like it's been a long time since we've seen that. You know, obviously you don't want just one complete game. That's not what I'm saying, but there's just been so many games from the last couple of seasons where you're like, man, Florida did really good on offense, but the defense struggled vice versa. Florida did really bad on offense. The defense played really well, but they just couldn't do that special teams there. There's always just little different things. So I think coming in there and making a complete game. And I think that that's something, again, going back to just the mindset of Billy Napier. I think that that's something that a guy like that, that is really attention to detail, you know, really meticulous on types of things. Those are the kind of guys that come in and can coach a complete game that can maximize that, you know, can motivate these 
these guys to all work together to have that complete game. So I think for me, that's the biggest thing I want to see, which is kind of dumb whenever you think about it, because, you know, everyone wants to see a complete game, but I feel like that's something we haven't seen in such a while. That's something that I really, I think that that could fix a lot of pieces of these games. Some of these games that Florida was in striking distance, but couldn't do because they didn't play a complete game. So I think for me, I want to see a staff that can really motivate these guys and can achieve that. Yeah, and I think you will see that. I, you know, I go back to it's it's pretty easy for a first year staff to sort of get effort. Like if nothing else, you know, guys that especially the younger guys on the roster, they know this coach isn't going anywhere for the next few years, right? So so even if, you know, Florida's struggling on the field maybe a little bit early on, you still have guys that are gonna be here with Billy Napier for two, three more years, right? So it's pretty easy to motivate them. And then the other thing I think is it is sort of an advantage as a first year coach walking in when you're taking over a team that went six and seven, as opposed to a team that maybe went 10 and three, right? The expectations are different. I think you don't have that sense of, you know, if we lose a second game in the month of October, the season's over, right? The hot boards. Yeah. I mean, and, and not that, not that Florida fans, you know, won't have those high expectations and, and won't be disappointed if Florida's out of contention in the sec East by mid October. But I think from the standpoint of getting the players sort of, fully on board and, and staying locked in playing complete games to your point. You know, I don't think we're going to see any situations like Sanford game last year where, you know, Sanford comes out and it's like, Oh, oh goodness. They want to play where we do it. Like, you know, and, and Florida's defense just kind of capitulates until they realize the offense is just going to keep scoring. Right. I don't think we're going to see any of that. It's going to be a much more um, team oriented, locked in approach. Um, as far as the staff, uh, I wanted to touch on that briefly, Blake, because I, I've gotten asked about it on the Swamp 24-7 message boards. I know there was a post last night specifically that I started to reply to and then, you know, was kind of thinking about it. And it's like, it's so early to judge a staff, right? Like, and I always tell people, you know, especially with assistant coaches, people want to ask me, you know, well, what do you think of, you know, Jabbar Jaluk or Kiri Colbert? And, you know, short of talking to people, you know, that covered Kiri Colbert out on, at, at USC, you know, I have some buddies out there that have covered him. Um, you don't really know. And right, the situation he was there with Clay Helton is totally different than than with a new coach with high energy level like Billy Napier. So you don't know. I, I will say on paper, and and again, I don't want people to hold me to this because this is an, not an opinion I feel strongly about. This is just quote unquote on paper. I think the offensive staff to me is a little bit underwhelming, uh, just overall relative to the defensive staff. Now I do see a lot of developers on the offensive staff, particularly Kerry Colbert. That's the one thing. You know, guys that have covered him out at USC have told me he's going to develop. And I think when you're talking about a roster that maybe doesn't have, you know, those true elite types that step in and play a day one or, you know, or the difference maker like a like a Kyle Pitts type guy, Kadarius Tony, you got to develop. Right. And so if if Kerry Colbert can do a good job developing wide receivers, you know, if if Florida can find a way to get a little bit more out of a, a Demarcus Bowman, a Lorenzo Lingard in the backfield, I think you're going to have a good shot. I think, Blake, what we're going to see from Florida is I think we're going to see a lot of close games next year. And so for anybody talking about record, I would just kind of urge let's let's focus more on the development. Let's focus more on what we're seeing in the 2023 recruiting class as far as big picture, right? As far as, you know, making sort of those snap judgments early on in this coach's tenure. Billy Napier played a lot of close games at Louisiana. That's kind of their style, right? He's, he's very much a three-phase approach coach. He'll do what they have to do to win the game. And that's going to be a little bit different than what we've seen under Dan Mullen. Because, like you said, Florida's offense, you could always count on to score points and be aggressive 
and really get the most out of even limited guys offensively. I mean, Florida wasn't very good at quarterback last year, but if you stack up the offensive numbers against some of the other offenses in the country, Florida did pretty well, Blake. So I think for year one, it's kind of all about managing expectations to me. And I think it's important to kind of have that in mind as we head into spring football. So Blake, let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, I want to get a little bit more into specifics, not necessarily position-wise, but in terms of what we want to see in the spring. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with my co-host, Blake Alderman. Blake, talking about spring football, obviously there's going to be a lot of different positions we can focus on. I think I'm going to try to shoot an episode both Wednesday and Friday to kind of highlight what we're looking for in that sense. Um, But from a big picture standpoint, what do you want to see from Florida this spring? Like, like what are a couple key things that need to happen, whether it's from the attitude standpoint, whether it is a particular position? I'm just kind of curious, you going into spring football, what would you kind of hope to hear? Um, you know, I think it's very easy, like you said, with the new coaching staff coming in. And I know I keep saying it over and over again, but just playing smarter football, cleaning up those things, um, you know, from the penalties to just all those types of things. Because I think that – it's, it's something that I'm going to keep harping on because I think that that's something that Billy Napier is really great at. I think he's good at motivating guys. You look at some of the speeches that he has pregame from Louisiana Lafayette, um, you know, playing that, you know, kind of, uh, you know, CEO type of approach to a team. You know, I think he's going to hold his guys accountable. So I think cleaning up some of that sloppy play, um, I think it's one of the biggest things. And from a positional standpoint, I want to see, you know, you mentioned Justin Shorter earlier in the podcast, and I think that that's probably safe to say that that's going to be the, you know, the, the wide receiver one type of guy coming back from the season, just from, you know, experience, you know, from, you know, being in college in general to being at Florida in general. I'm sure he's going to have a little bit of a learning curve coming in with a new staff and that's where everyone's kind of on the same page, but I want to see who's going to be in there past him. You know, there's a lot of younger guys for Florida. Um, you know, obviously Xavier Henderson had some snaps, you know, Jaquavion Frazier's. I mean, there's plenty of other guys, Marcus Burke, another young guy. There are plenty of guys there at that wide receiver position that I think can 
be a contributor, but it's just, to me, that's one of the biggest question marks of, of, I guess on the offensive side for me is just who's going to be those other guys to step up. And then on the flip side for the defensive side of the ball, Javon Dexter, I think everyone realizes he's a dude. Um, he's going to be one of those guys to anchor on the defensive line. But whenever you look at what the last couple seasons, Florida really had to rely on those transfer portal type of guys right. on the defensive line. Those were the ones that came in and were kind of the gap field types of guys. Um, I think that, that over, overcame a lot of poor recruiting on the defensive line, but I think it still has left Billy Napier in a bit of position because again, those guys aren't there anymore. Now you're going to have to rely on the guys that you know, once you've added ones that, uh, you know, have, have been there in the program, but maybe haven't had the types of snaps. Um, so for me, it's, you know, who's going to be the guy next to Jet Dexter? You know, you have a lot of guys to fill, uh, you know, shoes to fill, like, you know, Zach Carter, who was really productive last year for Florida. So for me, on the defensive line, it's going to be who's going to step up in that spot. Yeah, I think that 100% jives with sort of, as I've been going through these spring preview write-ups for Swamp247.com, which I've been posting really over the last week or so, and we'll continue to do up until spring football. That's what stood out is it seems like almost every position group, you know, you've got maybe one or two guys, depending on the group, obviously, but like a receiver, receiver and defensive tackle, the two you referenced, perfect examples, right? You've got a Justin Shorter, proven guy, maybe not all SEC level yet, same with Javon Dexter, has that potential, possibly, um, but not there yet. But then you look beyond that, and you've got a lot of these four-star type recruits on the roster, you know, the Jalen Lees, the Lamar Goods, uh, Jalen Humphreys, uh, at receiver, like you said, Xavier Henderson, uh, Marcus Burke, Dejon Reynolds. You've got these guys that on paper should be able to develop into at least quality SEC starters. You know, I think spring ball is going to be a lot about out of those big groups of younger players who can step up and maybe be a difference maker. And I think you see that at a lot of different positions. Like one thing I've said kind of going through these, these spring write-ups for Swamp 24-7 has been I think there's a lot of groups where you're going to see early in the season, you're going to see some growing pains because you have guys that maybe don't have a lot of playing game time experience but have the potential. Like I love the potential for a Jaquavian Frazier's. You know, Dejon Reynolds was a guy that everybody was raving about in fall camp last year. Marcus Burke, same thing. So there's a lot of learning that happens once you get in games. Now, I think you're going to have, again, going back to the motivational factor of a team that's going to be probably playing hard from start to finish, no matter what the record is. I think you're going to see a team for Florida that maybe is kind of trying to figure itself out early in the season. And then by the end of the year, you have a lot of those guys stepping up to where you feel pretty, actually pretty good. And I think that's where going back to sort of the quality depth that Dan Mullen sort of expanded from the McIlwain era, you can go further down the roster now and you have more options. And when you have more options of guys that have the, the physical ability, that have the talent, you're going to have more guys step up. That's just numbers. It's math. It's how it pans out. So I think, you know, for me, I look at Florida as a team that you're not going to be able to judge this Florida team through the first month of the season. I mean, who knows what could happen? I mean, the schedule is going to be tough. You know, you're on the road at A&M at some point next year. And, um, but you're going to see, hopefully, I think, a team that may not know all those answers coming out of spring ball, right? We may not know who's going to be the guy next to Jervon Dexter inside. We may not know the guy who's going to be the number two next to Justin Shorter at receiver. But going into fall camp, you're going to see some options emerge. You know, maybe it's three or four guys. And then as you get into the season, the cream will kind of rise to the top, right? I, I have to say, Blake, I'm a little bit higher about the potential at receiver 
than I am at potentially even running back. I got to be honest with you. I, I think Trent Whittemore is a guy, if he can stay healthy, he is a really, really solid SEC receiver. Now, I don't, I don't know that he's an all-SEC type, but when you talk about a guy that can really run routes well, can open space underneath for him, I think he's a guy that if you had a quarterback that was more accurate last year, he would have put up really big numbers. And I think that's one of the things, you know, if Florida can get better quarterback play, that can be a big difference maker. And I go back to Anthony Richardson. He's got the potential to be a superstar. That can be a big difference. So, Blake, let's talk a little bit about the O-line because I think for that to happen, you got to have better play up front on the O-line. What is your, your, your take on where that unit is at right now and sort of, I guess, both the potential and, and what you expect from that group? You know, I think this is one of the first couple years, you know, heading into a spring football to where I'm not down on the offensive line. You know, I'm actually pretty positive on them. Again, you know, you, I think you've got a lot of pieces that played last season. You returned Richard Garage, who's, you know, your, your left tackle. Um, does he need to improve his game? Absolutely. That's why he came back. That's why he didn't test the NFL draft or the combine or any of those types of things. But I think you still have a really solid guy there to protect that blind side. Um, you know, I think, again, adding Osiris Torrance was probably the biggest storyline for this entire Florida roster overall in the offseason. I, I think adding him shores up that offensive line at the guard spot. Um, you know, you've got King, Kingsley Aguacun, um, who comes in there at that center position. I think that he played really well last season. You know, he dealt with some injuries. If this offensive line can stay healthy, you know, obviously that's always the name of the game with the offensive line because – I don't know that you have quality depth that's going to come in to where there's not going to be a drop off if, you know, a starter goes down, but I think adding in a guy um, like a, like a, like a Torrance there, or excuse me, Torrance there um, at, at that guard spot, I think it frees up some space to slide a, you know, a Josh Brown out to the right tackle position, you know, Ethan White staying healthy there at that offensive guard position. So I think I really like the, the, where they're at on paper as far as the starting guys for the offensive line. Um, I think again, spring, as you always know, <clears throat> you try different guys at different spots, you move them around, see what works, what doesn't work. Um, so I think that that's the chance to see, you know, maybe some guys you can count on past set starting five, or maybe even have an idea of maybe six, seven, eight guys that you can count on when it comes to the season. Um, but I'm pretty positive on that offensive line. I think that we'll see, you know, because again, you can have all these guys look great in spring ball. They're, they're, they're trying, obviously they're, they're, you know, they're, they're trying to show the coach or trying to, you know, get that playing time, but you don't really see the offensive line go full go until it starts that season, because you don't want to hurt your players. You don't want to do all this, that, and the others that come with, you know, inner squad scrimmages with spring ball and fall camp. But when that season starts, I think that that's when we'll have an idea, but I'm pretty positive on these guys heading into spring ball. Yeah. I got to agree with you. I think if you even go back to 2018, right. Uh, the group that Dan Mullen inherited was similar to this group in the sense that you do have some multi-year starters coming back, like Kingsley, like uh, Richard Egwukan, uh Ethan White, Josh Braun now having some significant experience. If you go back to 2018, you remember that group was Stone Forsyth and uh, some of those other guys, I want to say Fred Johnson was on that 2018 team. Uh, you had some veterans that had played and hadn't played very well. And we went into that first season kind of thinking the O-line was terrible. Well, they ended up getting the veterans to play at a pretty high level. But again, it was the quality depth that was lacking that really hurt Florida. Um, but they ended up turning into a pretty good offensive line. I think when you look at this group, that starting five that you got, you, know, you throw an Osiris Torrance in there, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty good starting five. I mean, you got to remember, like, going back to sort of that, that you know, two-faced version of Florida last year, you had the group that ran for a ton of yards, 
early in the season last year. I mean, the first month of the season, that was the best rushing team in the country, right? So that Alabama game, they were they were dominant. You could yeah. see that near the end of the game that Florida was starting to overpower that really good Alabama defensive line. Right, and then you know Ethan White hurts his ankle in the LSU game. Delance, uh, Stuart Reese kind of got banged up here and there. You're playing with a less than 100 percent group, and then you see the drop off. So I think given Rob Sales coaching ability i'm very high on him i've talked about this previously on the podcast i know there's certain you know segments of college football fans out there the, the, the georgia fans that weren't really enamored with his one year at georgia but again you, it's really hard to judge a position coach walking into a one-year situation where they didn't recruit the guys you know who, who knows what all else is going on with that team um i am really high on rob sale and darnell stapleton's ability to get a lot out of this offensive line. And if they can do that and you can set up your quarterback for success, I think you've got a lot of potential. Again, I think first years are always so tricky with a new coach because, you know, you have that unknown of, of, of you know, building, building expectations within, you know, your players, but also a lot of times it's a, it's a couple bounces that the ball can make a really big difference. And that's why I say, you know, don't really focus so much on the record. But I think Florida does have some pieces. And Blake, defensively, I've been telling people this for months now. There is more talent on defense than people realize. And I think a lot of it was just misutilized under Todd Grantham. I mean, when you look at guys like, uh, and I hate to single guys out, but, but guys like Amari Bernie, I would have been trying younger guys a long time ago in at linebacker because Amari Bernie... You know, great guy, knows his football, I think can be a very good player in a sort of niche role where you're sort of between that outside linebacker and nickelback role, but it's a very situational role. I don't think he has the physicality to play between the tackles, and I would have liked to see Florida get more of these younger guys like Derek Wingo, uh, like last year, even even a Chief Borders get involved in there maybe a little bit more. I think you've got a lot of guys, Chief Borders, Scooby Williams, Tyreek Sapp, a lot of guys that, again, because Dan Mullen recruited better quality of depth. Now, he still struggled to get those high-end guys, but the better quality depth, there's just so many options for this new staff to work with. Same thing at safety. I mean, you've got Donovan McMillan and, and uh, Corey Collier, and not to mention, I think Rashad Torrance, you know, got burned a little bit. I think you're going to see guys like that that look better with a little bit more sound scheme. Uh, Jason Marshall's, uh, I think, a really high upside player. Avery Helm, you, you put Corey Raymond working with him. I think you've got, I think the defense has the potential to really surprise people. I don't think the offense will, because I think people are underestimating just how good Dan Mullen was at coaxing the most out of what he had. But I think, you know, for Florida to sort of exceed expectations, it's going to be about that defensive side of the ball, really locking down, being a really good unit. And if Florida can do that, Blake, I think fans are going to come out of this first year under Billy Napier feeling pretty good. Because, now, this is your area of expertise. I think they're doing a really good job in recruiting so far. I do too. You know, I think obviously coming off that big weekend this past weekend, Florida had a lot of top tier talent in there, four star, five star types of guys. Um, I think a lot of fans want commitments, um, but I think whenever you look to how much these guys, the new staff, I mean, had to dig themselves out of a hole with a lot of these in-state guys having to have those relationships repaired from the prior staff. Um, I think that this type of weekend was more of like a foundation type of deal to where the foundation is starting to be laid get guys coming back um, more in the spring, catch a spring practice, another unofficial visit, whatever have you, start securing some of those official visits um, into the summer because it seems like a lot of these guys like to have these decisions. Majority of these guys like to have the decisions done before their senior year. So I, I think that, you know, yes, there aren't the big commitments that a lot of people are waiting on. I think those will come because I think that foundation is being laid. You know, you look at this past weekend – 
um, on the, you know, on the, uh, unofficial visitors coming in, this was the first time that I've seen like 15 or 20 staff members just outside the football offices, greeting each and every kid, their family, all the people that came with them. You know, these guys are coming in and being greeted. Like you see at you know, some of the LSUs and the other schools, you know, that you would normally see where it used to be, you know, maybe one position coach out there, a recruiting staffer to, yeah. you know, meeting these guys in there, you know, these guys are being picked up at the parking lot, bust over in vans. They had a, you know, a little enclosed, like, uh, ranger four by four thing driving around that was enclosed having like grandmas and moms in there in the ac so they didn't have to deal with things um you know like 18 golf carts that you know something if you've heard me talk about recruiting it was like you know, they had like two or three golf carts for you know buku kids that are on campus so i think you're starting to see you know the, the thought investment. behind the things yeah. and the investment in that you know even having some of that you know 90s throwback type of gear for some of these kids to wear you saw them you know, kids doing, uh, you know, pictures in the, in the throwback stuff, you know, kind of comparing themselves to, you know, the Kobe Bryant poses, the Michael Jordan poses, you know, those types of things make these visits fun for kids. And I think whenever you look at the thought behind them, those little things like that um, are just continuing to kind of build that foundation. And I think that's going to keep getting kids coming back. You know, I think probably the common theme of asking these guys that were on campus this bit, you know, this weekend, you know, I ask them, you know, what's the biggest thing that stands out to you about Florida now? common answer was always the people, the people yeah. on the staff, the people around the program. So I think that those types of relationships are genuine. They're being built. And I think they're going to continue to build going forward. And I think that's, that's sort of what, in my opinion, year one is all about for Billy Napier, right? It's about establishing the foundation. And when I look at this Florida roster, yeah, you may not have the elite skill guys, right? And, and who knows, maybe, maybe Florida does, you know, we didn't think, you know, we didn't think Jim McElwain left Dan Mullen with a whole bunch. And then you turn around and Freddie Swain, getting drafted, Tyree Cleveland getting drafted. Uh, obviously, Dan Mullen brought in a couple guys himself. But you had some you had some decent talent on the roster. So I think spring ball, more than anything, Blake, I don't think that there's going to be any sort of storylines that, like, jump out and you're like, that will, you know, greatly change your expectations for 2022. But I think spring ball is about those position groups where you have maybe one guy established, but you have six, seven younger guys that are within their second or third year, it's going to be about getting three to four of those guys ready to play. And if you can get enough of those guys and you couple that with a really, really strong 2023 recruiting class that has some instant impact difference makers, I think you're going to set yourself up very well for year two and year three under Billy Napier. So those are all things that we're going to talk about during the spring. I, I expect we're going to come out of spring and we're going to have a depth chart and we're going to be like, dude, I don't know who's ahead here, right? And I think that's okay. That's a good thing. I think you want to elevate the entire group now. And then I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a couple weeks into the season even before you figure out, okay, you got this group of Marcus Burke and Dejon Reynolds and, and Jaquavian Frazier's and Xavier Henderson and Trent Whittemore. And who's the number one or number two out of that group? You may not know until a couple weeks into the season. But what you want to see is you want to see a lot of guys elevate their play in spring football, start making plays. And I think you know, this may not be the most interesting spring in terms of storyline. I don't know that we're going to have answers at quarterback coming out of spring. I don't expect it. Um, I don't know that we're going to have answers at running back coming out of spring. But I think the, the key is going to be development and building that foundation. So, Blake, that's kind of how I see it. I think fans need to be very open-minded with understanding there may be a big range of outcomes for year one. But what you're looking for is that development at each position. You want to see depth start to emerge in these spots that haven't had it for several years, like the offensive line, like defensive tackle. And if you can see that, then I think you get to the place where you can have a couple five-star guys potentially come in with the 2023 recruiting class 
and that takes you to that next level. So Blake, let's go ahead and leave it for there, uh, right there for now. I'm going to come back later in the week. I want to kind of preview a little bit more in depth offensively and defensively, both sides of the ball going into spring, kind of give you some key questions for what I'm looking at. But I wanted to go kind of big picture, highlight where we're at coming off the Dan Mullen era, how you sort of reconcile that six and seven season with maybe what's expected going forward. And hopefully we did that, you know, today and and gave fans maybe a, a better idea of at least where we're coming from going into spring football, what we're looking for. But Blake, that'll do it for us today. If you guys are listening uh, to the Swamp 24-7 podcast on YouTube, be sure to hit like and subscribe. As I mentioned last time, we may have some channel shift over in the near future, uh, but we appreciate all your support, guys. That will do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.